of God and others. Uh, I have personally, this is my own personal belief, I think it's uh, hard to believe that a man, woman, boy, or girl is saved and still hate. There are people that I don't want to be around, and I choose not to be around those. Uh, we don't have to uh, be around those who uh, make fun of our belief or with uh, curse or whatever sin we may want to mention. But uh, in First John chapter 4 and verse 19 will be our text verse if we need to have one. In First John chapter 4 and verse uh, 19, God said, We love him because he first loved us. So when we take that scripture and leave it in context, we know that so many songs and that we sing, they're nice songs, but they're not scriptural. You know, if you understand the sovereignty of God, that uh, we take a little song like, I have decided to follow Jesus, there is not a bit of truth in that uh, song. It's just a song that we like to sing. None of us on our own came to Christ. We're saved because the Holy Spirit's quickness made us alive and grew us to his side. So here in 1 John 4, 19, we see love's practical effect in John, and the same should be true of all who know the love of God. You know, if I decided to follow Jesus, then I can decide not to. But if Christ quickened me and made me alive, I can choose not to, in the flesh, I can choose not to follow him, but I will not enjoy life. I will not be blessed unless I go to the world. And that's what many Christians have done. God wants us to love one another. And there's no subject that any better to teach every once in a while or read about our, than the love of God. It is his love that makes me different than I was when God, before God saved me. It is the love of God that keeps me from participating in the things that I should not because uh, it, it is there. So let's look at the gospel of John as we further look at this. And in John, the 13th chapter, and we look at the 35th verse. John here, by the inspiration of God, said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. How many times have you heard somebody say, and sometimes it's out of habit, I've, I realize that, but it certainly is a bad habit, because if, you, if I hate this person because of what he does, how he feels, how he expresses himself, 
I don't do that because God has touched me. But I'm capable. And I think that's where Christians are off the mark in the time period that we live. I would never do that. I don't want to do that. I praise, hope I never do that. But if we get our little, uh, you know, flexible and said that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't, I can't. A child of, of God can commit a worse sin as the sins of a lost person. But God chases that person. And once you experience the chastisement of the Lord, that will change you more than what the preacher says. It'll change you more than what any family member says. Because it was the Spirit of God that brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. So when we look at that, you know, there is one thing pressing upon the hearts of the blessed Lord before he left this world, and it seemed to be the desire that his followers would love him as their own. And that is exactly what he's talking about in John thirteen thirty five, when when we said, but this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. You know, that's, we can explain it away. We can say, well, that's not the way I look at it, but I don't think there's no interpretation of this verse except as you read it. I mean, you don't have to interpret this verse, Steve. You don't have to say, well, this is what it says, but this is what it means. By this, and what is the this? The love. Christians love. Lost people have an infatuation they like, and in their mind they love. But there's, that's why that uh, I, I, I can't express that on my own. I, I believe that I love Dora when I married her. But when God saved both of us, it was a different kind of love for her. And that's what, why we want to preach. And when I witness, I want to tell love is not one of the necessities of the Christian life. It is the, we got to love Christ. And we ask ourselves, why do I love Christ? Because Christ first loved me. I think you can take it as a newborn. When you pick that newborn up, the mother puts it across the chest, that child knows that the mother loves it. But even though that, we see uh, young ladies have children and cast them away. That shows us how depraved we are. It's the depravity of man. So why is there so little love seen in all of us? Well, I guess it must be because we have failed in our apprehension of divine love. No, and, and there's no better way than to let Scripture give us the answer of why these type things take place. And you take Romans chapter 5, 
verse 8, God said this, But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when I was first saved and I came across this verse, you know, but God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Of all the sin I had in my life, God still loved me. He loved me. Christ died for us. And I believe the only way you can have, and as I said a couple Wednesday nights ago, there is three words for love, you know. And most of the love is uh, a sexual love. But agapa is how Christ loved us. He has an agapa love. There's nothing I can do that will cause him not to love me. But it doesn't mean he's going to bless me the way he would if I would stop doing the things that I shouldn't. I personally believe, don't ask anybody to agree with, with this, I believe our blessings are based a lot on how we respond to him. You know, we... Uh, I'll look at the apostles and we know that Jesus loved John more. And when I was at Lexington Baptist College, we had a person ask the question, you know, how could God love more? Well, we love more as we receive love. John loved the Lord and Jesus loved him more. What that consists of, I don't know. But I do know the Bible states that John was loved more by the Lord Jesus Christ. Still, in in Romans, let's turn a page over, and we see in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, you know, he says, But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait. He didn't wait till we did something. Now, Go down to verse 5 in Romans 5. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Now, if, if you believe every verse in the Bible, which I do, a lost person cannot love as much as he will be able to love when God saves. Because God's word says it. Hope make him not ashamed because the love of God is set abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And a lost person doesn't have the Holy Ghost in them. Doesn't have the spirit. And I know that, you know, if, if you want to get in an argument on the visitation, bring that subject up. And, you know, and the man sat in there with a beer by his side and saying, you know, I love my mom as much as anybody ever loved anybody. Well, you want to leave that alone because all that does is just rise up. But God's word is our answer. There is no doubt, and I will openly admit, as I said since a moment ago, I loved my wife when I married her, but I loved her more after God saved her and saved me. 
when I make that statement, well, you know, I, I feel sorry for you because I love my wife first time I've seen her and I still, I think if that's the one for you, you do. But there are degrees of love. There are degrees of love. And divine love, you know, has a practical effect, which simply means that we cannot love God when we're lost as much and in the way that we love him when God saved us. And Christ says he loves those who love him, you know. And I, I believe that interpretation should, should be in my own mind, you know, those who serve him, God loves more. We know that God blesses more, but he blesses, I mean, he blessed the thief on the cross, and the only thing he did was acknowledge him. And immediately he went to heaven. It's so important that we see those things and understand the different type of love and the degrees of love that we have. Now let's notice back in First First John uh, chapter four and verse sixteen. First John four sixteen, when the Lord said this, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. You ever? Come across a professing Christian who so unhappy, complain about everything. I mean, you know, there's nothing you know he, he finds good. But when your relationship with the Lord is right, and one thing that I do, not everybody doesn't. I'm not saying that you should, but I'd get up early, uh, you know, I'd go out on my front porch, and for time, this is just me and the Lord, me and the Lord, because nothing moves over in that lake until at least 7 o'clock, because most of them are retired on, on the street that I live on, but spend time with God. And that's what he's simply saying here. You know. Uh, and we have known and believe the love that God have to us. And if you're really in intact with God, you know there's nothing outside of the Spirit of God that lives in you that would cause him to love you. This whole body is in the flesh. Nothing in this body pleases God. It is when we take that body and we allow the Spirit of God to come in and we follow that. And that's the part that when you die, you decide where the body goes but God decides where the spirit and soul goes. And immediately, immediately, 
absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, we still in First John, and we look at chapter 4 in verse 12. He said, no man hath seen God at any time. But notice the next statement. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect in us. Try to understand that. Try to understand verse 12 of 1 John 4. We haven't seen God. You know, and I've shared with you, you know, I drove down to Cincinnati to one of our ex-members' house, and uh, he wanted me to uh, tell his mother, plan of salvation, and we got there, according to her, a little bit late because there was a 10, 12, 14-foot trice at the foot of her bed. And he talked to her, and she talked to him. Now, if you know the Bible, you know not a word of that is factual. But it was real to her. It was real to her. I mean, there are people today that, that are they're indulged in alcohol, they're indulged in premarital sex, they're involved in drugs, and to them, as long as they don't hurt nobody else, there's nothing wrong with it. But God, I love that statement, but God, he says, no man have seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfect in us. What if we don't love one another? I'm not adding to or taking away. I'm just taking that scripture. Look what God said because he made it clear. If we love one another, God dwells in us. What if we don't love one another? I believe love is one of the fruits, probably one of the greatest fruits. And you can love somebody without agreeing with their sin. We don't stop loving our mom or dad or kids because they do something we don't see. How in the world they should do that? But we don't love their actions. We don't love what they're participating in. Now, let's look at another point. Love as Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, or excuse me, Ephesians 1 and verse 4, when we look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, look what God says. He says here, According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. This requires us to be in conformed to the image of his son. Does it not? Well, let's 
turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us, and have given himself for us an offering, a sweet-smelling Savior. One of the main traits of a child of God is his ability to love when the flesh sees nothing in that situation to love. But love does not mean approval. If you're a parent and you've got children, they don't always do every little thing you wish they would do, but you don't stop loving them if you're a parent. But the relationship changes. And a Christian who is truly saved has the Spirit of God in him. He can sin, but he can't enjoy it. Why do Christians give up so many sins? They don't enjoy it. You know, I take medicine out of the need of survival. I don't take it because it tastes good. We do what is necessary to keep this body in condition because the Spirit of God lives in it And we want to keep the body as healthy as we can so we're able to carry out the mission that God gave us. And yes, God gives every individual a mission. You were saved on purpose and for a purpose. And when you don't fulfill that purpose because of whatever, you're not going to be as happy. You lose. I lose. I don't have to pray every day to make me saved. I don't have to read the Bible every day to make me saved. I don't have to even be faithful in church every Sunday to be saved. But you think that we're not missing something when we don't? We sure are. Rather than leaving us exposed to what we justly deserve, Christ sacrificed himself for us Covering, covering us with his own acceptability. See, I'm, I'm not acceptable to go to heaven right now. But since I'm in Christ, that's why I'll go to heaven. Not because of me. On my best day, I'm still a sinner. But I'm a saved sinner. And when I sin, it takes the joy, it takes the happiness. And this is my personal opinion. You don't have to believe it, probably shouldn't even say it. But I think there are so many unhappy Christians because they know what they should be doing and they're not doing it. And I believe I can preach a whole sermon on that one thought. God tells us, you know, that God is love, and when we become part of his 
kingdom we are to love. We will love. Now, notice here on this thought of love as Christ, let's look at 1 Peter 4, 8. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Just one little verse here. It says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitudes of sins. You know what keeps marriage together when the marriage, humanly speaking, should fall apart? Love. Love. The husband will overlook a certain amount. The wife will overlook a certain amount. The marriage may never be the same, but they love that person. And it's got to get real, real bad before a divorce takes place. You say, how does that appoint spiritually? When I was saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in me. Because Christ said, (coughs) it is expedient or it's necessary that I go away. But if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. And what keeps us sane and normal in a lost, depraved world is the Spirit of God that lives in us. That's why I, I say, still say, and that's I'm scheduled to preach two sermons in Alabama the last part of this month. One of those sermons, unless God takes it away from me, are you grieving the Spirit of God? If you're saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. And he will guide you and direct you in what you should do, how you ought to feel about this, how you feel about that. And if how I feel doesn't mess up what God's word says, I'm wrong. Simple as that. Don't have to argue about it. Don't have to have a debate about it. If I differ from this word, I'm wrong. The next point is godly examples. You know, if they removed all the word. But by the way, there are schools, and I, I didn't bring the paper, but I can copy it for you. In some of the schools that has prayer, the King James Bible has been removed. Wonder why? Because you take some of those perverted versions and you can do anything and still be saved in your mind. So let's look at a couple of illustrations from the Bible regarding the practical effects of love. Love for your wife keeps you faithful. Love for your husband keeps you faithful. Love for the Lord Jesus Christ keeps you faithful. Everything is motivated by love.
Moses is an example for us. He was on the mountain enjoying communion with the Lord and he received from his hand the two tablets of stone. And, but when he came down, he found that the people dancing around the golden calf. And we read that Moses was angered, wax hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and broke them. This is found in Exodus 32, 19 and 20, 30, 31 and 32. So when we want reason, God gives us an example right there in Exodus. What happens when we let circumstances? Let me, you know, I'm not going, I left this church because so-and-so did this. They've never done that, haven't we? You know what you'll find when you go to the next church? Somebody doing something you don't like. So we need to think about how important it is to be following the Lord Jesus Christ wholly, completely. And now as we see in God's word. We won't read all of this, but in Exodus 32, verse 19, and it came to pass as soon as he came high unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses angered wax hot and he cast the tablets out of his hand, break them beneath the mountain. We call that a Christian little temper tantrum. You know, they know better than that. Think I'm going to keep going to that church when that's going on? Well, if you think you're right and you've got Bible approved right, you try to change it. But if you can't change it, then that means God's moving you. And he took the calf which they made and burned it in the fire, ground it in the powder, and scrawled it up on the water, making the children of Israel drink of it. We will drink of the wrath of God as we stand at the judgment seat of the Lord. Great white throne judgment. When the lost man stands before God, he will be made drink of the bitterness of the word of God. There's many places in in the word of God that tells us that. We need to realize. Verse 30 says, And it came to pass on tomorrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Preadventure I shall make an atonement for your sins. Moses said, as a servant of God, he was going to try to make things right so that God's temper would cool down. That's breaking it down in layman terms. 
verse 32, you know, he said, Yet now if thou will forgive their sins, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. You're talking about a leader. I mean, he went before God and said, Forgive these people, and if you don't, block my name out. I believe that's a, that's a lesson that no matter what goes on, you don't move unless God moves you. And if God's moved you, you ought to move. Paul had the same spirit. He, he could say, you know, in Romans chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, you know, we... We, we see it. One thing about it, if you're the uh, people say the Old Testament is not for us, well, people who say that are usually wrong about some other things as well, but we won't get into that this morning. But God said in Romans chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, He said, uh, Then I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my children, according to the flesh. You're talking about a leader. Haven't we said that about our kids? Got a small baby that's really sick, and you said, I've... I could take it from that baby and put it on myself. That's what parents do if they really... Some parents take the baby and throw it out. But a parent is willing to sacrifice their own life because they love that child. Moses loved his people. He loved those followers, even though when he went up on the mountain, they were acting like lost people. Then he, he said in verse 3, For I would wish that myself were a curse from, from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Also, as we prepare to close here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when we, when we look at the word of God and and it just gives us uh, blessing after blessing. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. God said, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spent and be spent for you, through the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. What that verse teaches us away from what we're talking, you see how your your children do and he said man I would just wipe them all I don't 
think that we can. We want to. We can't do it. God can't wipe us off. He'll keep forgiving. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us, for the privilege that's been granted to us to study thy word.